Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 14 of the 2021 podcast series, getting you ready for the NFL draft, taking a look at the draft eligible prospects. The draft isn't until April, but of course it's never too early to start getting ready for the NFL draft. Took a little bit of a break here over the holidays, but we're back in time for bowl season. This is really my favorite time of year, is really getting into the bowls. This is your last chance to really see the teams at the end of this 2020 season. And, you know, there's no nothing like the tradition of the bowl, uh, you know, the bowl games and, and getting into the, the, the championship season. Um, you know, it's really a nice way to end the college football season. Now, I'll tell you, COVID-19 has really made 2020 a challenging year, especially for these bowl games. 12 bowls with cancellations before we even got anything started. Then you have Army get an an invite to the Independence Bowl under contract, and they're not able to play in that bowl game. That bowl game also gets canceled, but Army, lo and behold, Tennessee has some struggles with COVID-19. So Army's able to slide into their slot against West Virginia in the Liberty Bowl. Gasparilla Bowl, we were going to see UAB take on a two-win South Carolina team. But South Carolina battled a a lot of issues with COVID-19 as well. They ended up dropping out. And with all of the team, there were about 20 teams that opted out of of playing in any postseason play due to COVID-19. So ultimately, Gasparilla Bowl had to be ruled out as well. Then you're looking at... Iowa, the 15th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes against Missouri in the Music City Bowl. Missouri having some troubles with COVID-19 as well. So ultimately, we're not going to be able to see that matchup either. And uh, unfortunately, Nick Bolton had already opted out. So we weren't going to get to see him one last time. Uh, But what I'm really sad is, is Davion Nixon. And if you listen to my podcast, this was the guy that I was talking about early on in the season, watching Iowa. You know, this guy was so quick off the ball, the instincts, his ability to to read and react, get up the field, be disruptive in the backfield. He's 6'3, 305. And uh, you know, the the junior in his second year there in Iowa City, you know, in eight games, he had 45 tackles. 13 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, had an interception return, 71 yards for a score. Davion Nixon was one of my favorite players this entire season to watch at that defensive tackle position. And I'll tell you what, he's draft eligible. There's a great chance that he could end up declaring for the draft. Why? He was a first team All-American. I mean, when you look at those stats, he's able to play against the run. He also has the ability to to push the pocket and get after the quarterback as a pass rusher. And in a draft where that defensive tackle uh, draft class is really thin, you could see Davion Nixon sneaking his way into that, that day two conversation and could absolutely leave Iowa City and enter the draft in in 2021. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens with Davion Nixon. But unfortunately for the, the Music City Bowl, with, with Missouri having issues with COVID-19 and such, we're not going to be able to get to see him play. And there are two other guys in that bowl game that I would have loved to have been able to see one last time. And that's the safety. Tyree Gillespie, Joshua Bledsoe. Uh, you know, they're both about the same size, about six foot, 210 pounds. And these guys 
fly around. They, they make a lot of plays. Um, they're going to come up and hit you whenever possible. Uh, you know, Tyree Gillespie, you know, 12 pass breakups in his career, 146 tackles. You know, a guy who I think, you know, is going to be a, a day three uh, safety, but a guy who I think is is absolutely going to make an NFL roster. Joshua Bledsoe, uh, another guy, um, has those ball skills as well. 18 pass breakups, three fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles in his career. One of those fumble recoveries, he returned for a touchdown his sophomore season. You know, these are guys that really started making a name for themselves, and I was really hopeful, you know, to to get to see him see those guys play against Iowa. See what they could do against Tyler Goodson and company running the football. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to see that matchup happen. Uh, but you know, I'll do my best to make sure that we continue to break down both Iowa and Missouri as we move forward. Taking a look at those draft prospects, especially a guy like Nick Bolton. My goodness, Nick Bolton, um, you know, a guy who I think is very deserving of a, a first round pick. He's one of the top three or four linebackers in this draft, hands down. Six foot, 232 pounds. Look, in, in 10 games this year, he had 95 tackles, um, but, you know, 103 a, a season uh, ago as a sophomore. Uh, look, 17 and a half tackles for loss. A uh, couple of interceptions, 12 pass breakups. This is a guy, he's a three-down linebacker. This is a guy who can rush the quarterback a little bit, make plays behind the line of scrimmage, but he can also drop into coverage, trust his eyes in zone coverage, and he can he can cover uh, tight ends and running backs out of the backfield when when he needs to. You know, This is definitely a chase linebacker and a guy that I think can play inside or outside if, if, if called upon, although because of his lack of, of, of ideal height, that, that six-foot frame, he'll probably be a middle linebacker at the next level. So again, you know, we're going to be going through, taking a look at, at these bowl games. And as we go through, there are going to be quite a few guys that we won't be able to see play because they've already opted out to enter uh, the NFL draft. Some of them entering the, tra- the transfer portal as well. And I'll do my best to try to cover each of those guys as well as we go through um, each of these bowl games. So when we take a look at things first and foremost, we missed the conference championships. There were ten conference championships and ten uh, conference winners, and uh, you know so that's one of the things that we really have to start off. Um, and when you talk about conference championships, you have to start with Conference USA. That was the first bowl game that we really got to kick off. And that was UAB taking on Marshall. And UAB, what a story! You know, this is a program which just a couple of years ago, um, you know, was no more. That football program, they they eliminated the program and they brought it back. Bill Clark leading the program and a guy who's been there from day one since this rebirth has been Spencer Brown. And look, Spencer Brown, 5'10", 224 pounds, over 3,800 yards, 41 touchdowns. You know, he's the career rushing leader there for the Blazers. And, uh, you know, he outdueled Brendan Knox. And again, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I'm a big fan of Brendan Knox, a guy who's going to run you over, uh, you know, a guy who wants to get north and south, very physical runner at six foot, 223 pounds. But Spencer Brown outplayed him, just flat out played him. 30, 30 carries, 149 yards in that contest. A guy who, you know, has surprising feet for a guy his size. You know, this is a guy who's lost some weight. When I think of guys losing weight and adding some of that that elusiveness, some of that lateral agility, I think of a guy like Kareem Hunt. And this is a guy who was absolutely uh, a tremendous running back there for Toledo. But Spencer Brown, you know, I, I think, you know, that was kind of the same way. You know, a, a very... Uh, you know, explosive back, but ran with some power, and you you saw 
really things changed with Kareem Hunt when he lost that weight. You saw it at the Senior Bowl, you saw it at the Combine. This was a guy who looked to be a lot more explosive and I think you're seeing that right now with Spencer Brown. And so this is going to be a guy, he'll be a day three pick, but I think he's going to be someone who will surprise you at the next level. Brendan Knox, in his own right, you know, definitely a talented back, um, did not play in the bowl game there for Marshall. They played in the Camellia Bowl uh, on Christmas Day against Buffalo. And I think it really showed Marshall struggled really to get the ball going. Uh, with Sheldon Evans carrying the football there as, as a primary guy. Really couldn't take any pressure off uh, Grant Wells, the freshman quarterback, and Buffalo wound up winning that contest 17-10. to We'll take a look at that game a little bit more here in a little bit. But with Brendan Knox, you know he, he's got that forward lean, uh, real powerful between the tackles, really more of a one-cut-and-go type of runner. Um, so I think with Spencer Brown, not only is he a guy that can run with power, but he's showing a lot more lateral agility, a guy with some jump cuts, the vision to see the cutback lanes. That's something that I really appreciate when, when I watch Spencer Brown. Going to have to show that he has some decent hands coming out of the backfield. I think that's something that he's going to have to showcase a little bit more of, um, but definitely a guy to be watching for. Uh, two other guys in that game, um, guys that did not play in the Camellia Bowl either. You've got Josh Ball. Uh, left tackle, first team all-conference, 6'7", 314 pounds. You know, plays both left and right tackle. Very quick feet, you know, especially in pass protection. I think he's more of a finesse guy. Um, he got ejected in that game. Really, you know, the last that we saw of him in a Marshall uniform was making contact with a referee. So, you know, unfortunate circumstances there. But I think Josh Ball is a guy that'll get a look uh, on day three because of that athleticism and that versatility to potentially be a swing tackle at the next level. Devontae Beckett. Here's a guy that's really interesting. He's 5'10", 214 pounds. You know, a guy who flies around to the football. You know, a guy that just does a great job running the alley. Um, you know, in in uh, in nine games, at 90 tackles, uh, seven and a half tackles for loss, two two and a half sacks, four fumble recoveries. Um, you know, and, and a guy who just he, he's instinctive. You know, he, he does a really good job, you know, playing in, in the box. And he's one of those guys that I look at because he is undersized at just 5'10", 214 pounds. To me, he looks like he's going to be a safety at the next level. Another guy who I think is is has that day three, late day three potential. And, and in that game, he was really the, the, the focal point, you know, 13 tackles on the day there for, for Marshall and a guy that just really led that defense. Look, he was the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, number four for Marshall, if you get your hands on some, some game film, watch number four for Marshall on defense. He's everywhere. If you want to know where the football is going, just keep an eye on him. He'll scrape over the top and, and get to the get to the football. Just does a really good job. You know, the problem is, is he's undersized, so he does get engulfed by blockers, especially those, those tackles climbing to the next level. Um, but definitely a guy who uh, does a great job shooting in, into shooting through gaps, getting skinny, shooting into into the backfield, dro uh, dropping running backs for loss. Very, you know, a natural volume tackler. Um, so if you moved on from the Conference USA Championship to the MAC Championship, and you have Ball State taking on Buffalo. And uh, Ball State ending up coming up with a victory, 38-28 over the Bulls. And really the story there was J uh, Jarrett Patterson, you know, 5'9", 195, uh, this is a guy, very special back, over 3,800 yards on the ground, 6.1 yards per carry, 52 touchdowns, including those eight in that 400-yard performance against Kent State. Um, just absolutely tremendous on the ground. Um, 
but he ended up getting injured late in uh, late in the third quarter in that ball game, and I think that was one of the things he didn't get to play in the bowl game because of that injury. But the thing that you really have to appreciate are those lateral cuts. He'll make you miss in the backfield. He'll make you miss in the hole with very quick feet. But then he runs with 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 power, and then the contact balance. A guy that just bounces off contact. I look at Jared Patterson. Um, you know, again, 5'9", 195, Not the biggest running back by any means, but definitely a guy who's going to sit there and you know he works hard. And he's somebody who, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if he actually declares for the draft or not. He's a guy that I, I currently have in my top ten, and, and a guy that I, I would love to see come back one more year. Have he and, and Kevin Kevin Marks, one of the more underrated duos in the country, because everyone talks about Jared Patterson, Kevin Marks. Uh, solid in his own right uh, but you know the thing with Jared Patterson I'd love to see him actually catch the football out of the backfield you know this is a guy who has 20 receptions uh, in his career but that's only over the first two seasons didn't catch a pass in the six games that that Buffalo played in and, and look you know had over a thousand yards in just six games 7.6 yards per carry 19 touchdowns in those six games he had 19 touchdowns all of 2019 so definitely a special back a guy who I, I think um, if he does come back to Buffalo, we'll, we'll set all kinds of records. Um, but when you look at the running back class, there, there's a group there that's kind of bunched up in the middle. You know, is he able to separate himself? You know, he's going to have to decide whether or not now is the time for him to actually enter that draft. I would love to see him come back, like I said, one more year there with Buffalo. But we'll have to see how that plays out. Buffalo also has uh, Coyote Awasika. He's 6'5", 315. He's playing left tackle for Buffalo. But I'll tell you what, this is the guy who, who I think would thrive at the guard position. You watch him, you know, blocking down on the defensive end to really seal the edge for Jarrett Patterson and, and Kevin Marks, you know, washing down defensive ends, really clearing out that left side. But then where he struggled was, was in pass protection. You saw some of the slow, slow footwork, unable to sustain blocks because of that footwork as well. He'll bend at the waist at times. Uh, so to me, I think you, you take advantage of the power, you take advantage of his ability to really provide that punch at the point of attack let him play inside a guard you know, he'll probably be i'd say probably a fifth round pick but a guy who i think would be a solid guard at the next level malcolm Kuntz, look 6'3 250 pounds a speed rusher extraordinaire this is a guy who's going to chop your hands he's going to rip through uh does a really good job bending and coming around the edge 17 sacks in his career uh 22 and a half tackles for loss um th this is a guy who i, I you know he and it was supposed to be him and Taylor Riggins. Uh, Taylor Riggins ultimately um, you know, did not play in uh, 2020 at all. You know that was supposed to be his running mate, and uh, we didn't get to see him there. Like I said, so Malcolm Kuntz was really a guy that teams were keying in on. You know you'd see a lot of uh, a lot of double teams over on his side, and uh, you know so I think that kind of hindered some of his productivity uh, in just six games though. Six and a half tackles for loss, five sacks. Uh, so this, he was definitely someone who was starting to gain momentum as the season went on. Um, so somebody who I think you know, in that game, he did have, uh, have one and a half sacks on the day. And again, the hand usage, the explosiveness coming off the edge, definitely things to take notice of there. Ball State though, I'll tell you what, a team defensively, since we're talking about defense, Christian Albright has a chance to be a guy at the next level. 6'2", 234 pounds, 28 and a half tackles for loss, 13 sacks, 8 pass breakups to go along with a couple of interceptions, 8 forced fumbles as well. 
This guy has a nose for the football, a guy that can bend the edge uh, as a pass rusher, but then can drop into coverage. I think he's a guy that could be a sleeper day three pick, possibly an undrafted free agent, but a guy who I think will make an NFL roster. Uh, Antonio Phillips is another guy, 5'11", 187 pound corner, all Mac performer. This is a guy who, going up against Antonio Nunn, the receiver there for Buffalo, um, you know, Nunn actually makes the catch over his shoulder, and uh, you know Phillips was beaten on the play, but he actually go, you know, doesn't give up on the play, works through the the arms there of the receiver, and ends up ripping the ball out to, for his own interception. Phenomenal play, um, you know, for for a corner that really. Not many people are talking about, but a guy who I think could sneak into a late day three pick. I hope he gets invited to the combine. I think he'll test really well. A couple of receivers to be of note. I mentioned Antonio Nunn. Look, he's 5'10", 5'11", 200 pounds. He plays so much bigger than his size. You know, very physical finishing with the football, but a guy who, you know, look, he's only 5'10", but a guy who can climb the ladder. I think he'd test really well uh, you know, at the receiver position. I'm going to give you a guy for Ball State, really more so for next year, is Johannes Tyler. 6'3", 208 pounds, the junior, he's a big target. A guy who uses his size to his advantage, boxes out the corner, um, you know, has really you know, long arms, so you have this huge catch radius as well. He'll be a name to know for Ball State uh, for the 2021 season. And a running back there that we didn't get to see in the championship, a guy who opted out, was Caleb Huntley. You know, look, you know, he's 5'10", you know, nearly 230 pounds. You know, a, a guy who, you know, battled the rib injury since week three um, of the max season. Seven straight 100-yard games, you know, before he ultimately had to go down to the rib injury. But, you know, with Caleb Huntley, he's a guy that can run, run with power, between the tackles, but has that explosive burst as well. Uh, you know, Huntley for me, a guy that I thought was a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I think he's another one of those those Mac running backs. I mentioned Kareem Hunt, Caleb Huntley's one of those backs that you have to really take a notice of. Um, you know, and look, uh, when you look at him when he's healthy, you know, this guy was a workhorse. You know, as a freshman and a junior, over 200 carries uh, and over a thousand yards in each of those seasons. Struggled with injuries in 2018 and 2020, so some of those, you know, th those red flags there with with those injuries, the medicals have to check out with him. But look, you know, you're you're going to get a, a running back who again can run between the tackles uh, and a guy that can bounce it outside as well. He's just going to have to show that he can catch the football out of the backfield, so he could be a developmental running back there uh, at the next level. Pac-12 championship. Look, 31-24, Ducks beat the Trojans. Um, you know, in this game, Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, he's only a sophomore, but this dude's going to be a beast. He'll be talking about, you know, potential top 10 pick, 6'5", 250 pounds, uh, was working over Elijah Vera Tucker uh, there down the stretch. Really, you know, showing the explosiveness coming off the ball. Um, you know, Jalen McKenzie, the right tackle there for the Trojans, uh, was beaten all day long by number five. Uh, and I mentioned Elijah Vera Tucker. Look, he's 6'4", 310 pounds. The juniors declare for the draft. And, uh, you know, a guy who, look, when he kept his hands inside, got his hands on Thibodeau early, he was able to mirror him and actually show pretty good footwork. Um, you know, I love watching him climb to, to the second level. Showed really good power in his hands as well to really jolt the guy off, uh, off the line. It was the change of direction. Got beaten by Brandon Dorless for a sack. Uh, the, the defensive end there, 280 pounds. Did just fine with his kick slide, taking him up the field. Once he got even with the quarterback, Dorless worked back to the inside, and that's really where Elijah Vera Tucker struggled with that lateral agility, that lateral quickness to be able to, to, to stop 
and change those directions. That's where he struggled, and that's ultimately where you know not only Dorless but Thibodeau as well started taking advantage of that. And uh, so I think Vera Tucker. I think everybody knows he's going to be a guard. But look, I keep talking about it. He was the offensive lineman of the year last year, and he had the number 18 overall pick in Austin Jackson playing next to him at left tackle. Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, sleeper guy there for a potential first-round pick uh, as a guard. Trojans, you know, they, they don't have a bowl game. They, they were one of the teams that opted out. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Talanoa Hufanga, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year and... First team All-American, 6'1", 215-pound junior. Look, this is a guy who can do it all. He's really put everything together. He was kind of a heat-seeking missile that would fly around to the football, but you know, really played with reckless abandon, no regard for his body whatsoever. This year, he's playing much more under control, although he did get a personal foul penalty, basically tackled the punter in this game. Um, that ultimately led to a, a score there for the, the Ducks. But a guy who can blitz coming off the edge, he can bend coming all, you know, coming around, and also shoot the gaps, time those blitzes well, rushing the quarterback, plays in the box very well against the run. But then it was his ability to drop into coverage. We knew that he could play sideline to sideline, but dropping into coverage, he had four straight games with an interception and came within a hair of having a, an interception in a fifth straight game. There was a tip there um, right at the goal line and uh, had this dive and just about had that pick and just squirted out at the last moment. But Hufanga in that game, look, 12 tackles, two sacks in a losing effort there for, for the Trojans. And one final guy that I have to mention, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's the best receiver nobody's talking about. 6'1", 190 pounds, the junior, very physical receiver, you know, a guy who you know they, they mentioned on the broadcast was benching 135 uh, you know 135 pounds went at the age of 10. You know, his dad was Mr. Olympia. This is a guy you know he, he speaks five languages fluently, very intelligent kid, um, and you see that with his play out on the football field. Knows where the zones are. Does a great job reading defenses. Very fluid athlete. Led the Pac-12 in receptions. But you know when he got went down to an injury in the third quarter, you know the Trojans when they made their fourth quarter runs, Keaton Slovis needed his go-to target number eight, Amandra St. Brown, and he wasn't out there on the football field. Ultimately, the Trojans go down to the Ducks, and uh, you know Amandra St. Brown has a big decision to make: Does he enter the draft, where he'd be a potential day day two pick? Now that he'd be a second rounder, um, or does he come back one more year, one more shot with? Uh, Keaton Slovis, Drake London and company. Uh, that's really going to be the big question, but I think he would be a day two pick right now. Big Ten Championship. This is an interesting one. Look, you know, uh, Buckeyes, 22 to 10 winners over Northwestern. And Justin Fields had an off day. You know, 12 to 20, uh, 27, 114 yards, two interceptions. And look, I know he had the sprained wrist, but, you know, there are some questions now about Justin Fields, especially in these big games. You know, in, in the two games, that he played against Indiana and Northwestern. He went a combined 30 of 57, which is 52.6% for just 414 yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions. Now in the other five game, or other four games, excuse me, against Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers, and Michigan State, he went 89 of 107, which is 83.2%, over 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. So I think when you're when people are looking at these quarterbacks and where you know where are you going to differentiate differentiate between these guys 
you know, that ha really has to come into play for, for a guy like Justin Fields. When he was really under adversity, when, you know, the games were their, their biggest, he struggled. He struggled at times. And so that's really the biggest thing that you really have to, to take away from is has Zach Wilson closed the gap on Justin Fields to the point where Zach Wilson is the number two quarterback? I have him as my number two quarterback, but I'll save that conversation for when we talk about the bowl game because I'll tell you what, that performance was special. Um, but Justin Fields really didn't have to do a whole lot in this game anyway because Trey Sermon was a beast. 6'1", 215 pounds. Uh, a guy who ran for 331 yards on two, uh, 29 carries, two touchdowns. A guy who ran with power, ran with speed, excellent vision, cutback ability. Look at OU, had over 2,000 yards and 22 touchdowns in his career there, but a guy who shared the backfield. And we shared the backfield with Kennedy Brooks, shared the backfield with Rodney Anderson, never really got to be the focal point of that offense. And you see what he was able to do there uh, at, at Ohio State. Up to that point, really a non-factor in the Buckeye offense, but you really saw him starting to gain some of that momentum, especially you know uh, get, getting more playing time over Master Teague. And uh, I think Trey Sermon now is a guy that you really have to talk about as a top ten running back in this draft. Um, you know, when when you look at the Big Ten or Big Twelve championship, OU taking down Iowa State 27-21, and uh, you know Ramondre Stevenson again. OU's offense completely changed when Ramondre Stevenson entered the entered the fray. You know, you've got a, a redshirt freshman quarterback at Spencer Rattler. If you put everything on him, you're going to have some of the mistakes that you're going to have to live by and die by. But when you have a guy like Ramondre Stevenson, when you can hand the ball off to a big physical beast, you know, you're absolutely going to do that. And you saw really that, that dynamic completely change. You saw more confidence out of Spencer Rattler as well when he, he knew that he had a running game that he could rely on. And with Ramondre Stevenson, look, he's a guy who has such quick feet for a guy his size. And look, he can catch the football out of the backfield. Not only did he have 18 carries for 97 yards, but also had four catches for 36 yards as well. Um, showed off you know, decent uh, catch radius for a guy his size and at the running back position. Some people talking about the NFL, seeing him more as an H-back. Look, you know, uh, you saw what Brandon Jacobs was able to do at the next level. I want to see what Ramondre Stevenson can do. I think you, know, you think of a guy like uh, like Derrick Henry and the way that he's running people over. Ramondre Stevenson can do a little bit of that and also has some of the quick footwork that, that Derrick Henry has as well. I'm not saying that he's the former Heisman Trophy winner, Derrick Henry. Don't get me wrong there. But it's one of those guys, you're trying to find that, that same type of player. I think Ramondre Stevenson fits that bill. So... Defensively, you have Ronnie Perkins, and that's that's the same same story. What Ramondre Stevenson did for their offense is what Ronnie Perkins is doing on defense. Number seven, 6'3", 247 pounds. Both of these guys were suspended uh, for their involvement in and in being you know testing positive for for marijuana before the Peach Bowl last year. Sat out four or five games, and ultimately when they came back, OU changed. This whole program changed, and really. You know, I think any of these teams that are sitting in the playoff, OU didn't have a defense and they were getting blown out you know, in, in the playoff. Now that they have a defense, now that you know Alex Grinch's defense is firing on all cylinders, this is not a team that those teams really wanted to see and, and face off because that defense was getting really starting to get after it. And you can point to number seven as really being that guy that galvanized the defense. Had three tackles in this game, one and a half sacks. What you love about the guy is the ankle flexion coming off the edge, the ability, you know, the flexibility. You know, the ankle flexion, I, I talk about that 
but it's not just that you know the flexibility in the hips his ability to to dip you know dip that inside shoulder and really be able to, to turn the edge flatten out and get to the quarterback but I mentioned the ankle flexion because you don't see that with a lot of the pass rushers you'll see some of that stiffness and that's really where you know that that can limit some of their uh, effectiveness as a pass rusher Ronnie Perkins is the guy that you know He'll probably, because he's undersized, he'll either have to put on a little bit of weight or possibly play uh, as a 34 outside linebacker. But uh, to me, Ronnie Perkins um, was just, he, he was relentless. He was all over the field. And I'll give you a guy to watch out for next year, and that's Perrion Winfrey, the JC transfer. Big number eight in the middle of that defense. This dude was unblockable. It seemed like he was in Brock Purdy's face left and right. Uh, big dude uh, and a guy that, uh, you know, Big 12 offenses are going to have to worry about next season. Uh, Brock Purdy, though, look, 20 of, 27 of 40, 322 yards, a touchdown with three interceptions. You know, that interception to end it really um, encapsulated that, that, that game. He, he rolls out and rather than throw the football away, tries to throw it up. You know, he's under pressure and the ball hung up in the air and ultimately was intercepted by OU to, to seal the win. Iowa State was moving the football and they were making the comeback. And uh, Purdy, to me, the, the short to intermediate throws, makes a lot of really good decisions. Throwing the football down the field, that's where he struggles at times. You know, just really some big mental lapses in this game. And he has such big weapons on the outside. Xavier Hutchinson's going to be a guy we're going to be talking about. Uh, you know, and uh, you know Charlie Kolar, obviously six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown in this game is going to be a tight end to watch for this year's draft if he decides to come out. But if I'm Brock Purdy, I, I think there's some things that I still need to clean up. I come back to Ames, Iowa, and work with Matt Campbell one more year, especially because you're going to be playing in the same backfield as Heisman, you know, a Heisman candidate, and really a Heisman frontrunner for next year's draft in, uh, in next season is uh, is Brees Hall. Brees Hall is a phenomenal running back, a guy who I think is going to be one of the top two or three backs in the draft. Um, so he'll definitely be someone to keep an eye out for, for sure. Um, ACC championship, look, Clemson handled Notre Dame 34 to 10. Um, you know, and really, you know, Trevor Lawrence doing Trevor Lawrence things. Um, you know, there's really not a whole lot to talk about in this game. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, look, 6'6", 220 pounds. What can't this guy do? Um, you know, 25 of 36 for 322 yards, couple of touchdowns, did throw a pick, but uh, you know, 90, 90 yards on the ground and a touchdown. I think really the thing to talk about more than anything else is the fact that he, those long strides, he has deceptive speed for a guy you know, running. You know, it reminds me a lot of, of uh, Marcus Mariota. When you watch Mariota run the long strides, you didn't think he was moving that fast. Next thing you knew, he was covering you know, 25, 30 yards down the field. Um, you know, I think that's what Trevor Lawrence really has that a lot of people are, aren't taking too much of notice of. Um, Amari Rogers, look, this is my this is my guy, man. I think this is going to be a guy, a day three pick, but a guy who I think is going to make an instant impact. 5'10", 200, 210 pounds. He's a big bowling ball of a receiver. And uh, look, eight, eight catches, 121 yards, and a score. Um, I think he's all the way back from that ACL tear as well, so he shows some of that explosiveness in the game. And uh, a guy who I think is a savvy route runner and uh, really just an intelligent player. Graduated, you know, that week before the game. Um, and a guy that I think, it, you know, he's just going to continue. His stock is going to continue to rise. I think people are going to watch him and really fall in love with his gameplay. Um, one other guy to be mindful of is, is Tommy Tremble, the tight end there for Notre Dame. 6'3", 242. Um, Redshirt sophomore, junior. 
Um, you know, the Notre Dame really doesn't call out the, the red shirt. So I think he's actually a red shirt, red shirt sophomore. And uh, really with, with Tommy Tremble, he, he has the power as a blocker, but then he has some crazy athleticism at, uh, at the tight end position as a receiver. And you can line him up all over the field. He's a guy that, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he decides to declare. I think he is a third third year sophomore. But uh, if he decides to come back, he'll be one of those tight ends to, t- you know, to talk about there at Notre Dame. He'll be the guy on, on offense along with Kyron Williams, just like Kyle Hamilton, the big safety at 6'4", 219-pound safety, will be on defense for Notre Dame. Now, the Mountain West Championship, look, you know, San Jose State finally gets it done. Their first ever rank, uh, ranking in the top 25 at number 24 um, in the first Mountain West Championship. Uh, taken down Boise State 34-20. Nick Starkle, I think, has kind of played his way into uh, potential you know, day three, late day three or, or uh, prior, priority free agent status. He's 6'3", 214 pounds. And uh, look, in his career, you know, 60% completion percentage, over 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, and, and 20 interceptions. But uh, in this game... Man, he, he, was all, he was on fire. 32 of 53, 453 yards, three touchdowns, showing tremendous touch and accuracy on his on his deep ball, throwing the football to, to Trey Walker and, and Bailey Gaither, a guy that just looks so loose, you know, blitz in his face, uh, really able to, to get the ball out uh, to, to Bailey Gaither on a vertical route, put a ball right over the corner, dropped it in the bucket. Um, you know, a, a guy who just... It looked like he was he was loose. They showed a video of him before the game, really making faces and, and having a good time with the sky cam. And uh, you know, I think it really showed out there on the football field. He's an interesting prospect. Cause look, you know, he he, he was a grad transfer from Texas A&M and Arkansas. Um, really an interesting, interesting prospect. Trey Walker, he's kind of your slot guy, a guy that's going to really be playing underneath a lot. Um, you know, really on crossing routes, does a great job, get the ball in space, let him do his thing. Bailey Gaither, um, you know, had an ACL tear in 2018, um, but a guy who, look, you know, he beats the jam, gets vertical, uh, very intelligent route runner. He's one of those sneaky guys that you you can find at least making a camp. And uh, he's one of the, these are two guys that I think uh, teams will have a hard time cutting because they're going to love the way that they play. Derek Deese, uh, junior, son of, uh, of San Francisco 49er and USC Trojan Derek Deese, uh, you know, 6'4", 235, 240 pounds, has these just long arms. I mean, he's got this freakish wingspan. You just put the ball anywhere near this guy. He'll have a chance there at the tight end position. And then a guy, we'll see if he comes out, Cade Hall. There for, for San Jose State, 6'2", 260 pounds, only a junior. This is a guy who put on 40 pounds and uh, has become a menace um, in, in Mountain West backfields. Uh, you know, had, uh, let's see, 26 tackles, 12 for going for loss with 10 sacks. Uh, a guy who just has tremendous hands, does a great job um, to slap and then rip through to get into the backfield. Does Has a great push-pull as well. Um, does a great job setting the edge against the run, as, uh, you know. And so, I think with Cade Hall, I- I'd like to see him come back one more year. Um, look, he's 6'2", 260 pounds, about the right size. You know, can he put everything together again? If he does that, he'll be one of those names that we're going to be talking about moving up draft boards. Remember, Zayvon Collins. I've talked about him. He's one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player in the entire draft. As a sophomore, he was a player. 
playing next to the the the, the intelligent middle linebacker Cooper Edmiston, and and this year really having that breakout year. You know, I thought, you know, you saw the talent, you saw him, all right, this is a guy that you have to be on notice of because of his athleticism, put everything together in, in 2020. Kate Hall is one of those guys that's on the verge of really breaking out and us talking about a San Jose State Spartan potentially being a first round pick next year. That's one of my, my hot takes here. Um, so we look at the SEC championship. I'm just going to talk numbers. Why not? Alabama, Florida, 52-46. And this was a game that, that was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, with everything that was going on in this game. You look at Mac Jones, 33 of 43, 418 yards, five touchdowns and an interception. Kyle Trask, you know, hey, you know what? I, I go 20, uh, 26 of 40, 408 yards and three touchdowns as well. The, the 418 and 408 yards, the two highest performances are in terms of uh, pass yards in SEC championship history. These guys were all, you know, just money. And when you watched it, you, you know, the more you watch, Mac Jones throws so many wide open receivers. And it's because of the, the way that Steve Sarkeesian draws up the, the, the offense. You know, he's got two guys that are lined up to one side and uh, Devontae Smith lined up to the other side. The guy, they end up crossing. And what ends up happening is the defense, there's some confusion. And Devontae Smith sneaks out the backside and is wide open for a, a 31-yard touchdown. You know, and you see that time and time again, receivers getting open, and you know it's nothing to take away from from the talent there um, for the receivers, but it, it makes it a hard study to watch Mac Jones, just because he's throwing to a lot of open receivers. He's got the talent there as well, the, the, you know, the a lot of really four and five star talent at the receiver position. He's got Najee Harris, who's arguably the best running back in this draft, um, so it makes it hard. But the thing that you can evaluate and what makes it makes it a lot of sense though is is his pocket presence. His ability to just, you know, the, the subtle movements to buy time in the pocket, his ability to climb the ladder when he needs to, uh, his ability to to get outside and the move, you know, always keeping those eyes down the field. And then the, the ability, the eye discipline as well, looking off the, the, the safety, holding that safety there on one side, coming back, um, able to uh, get one-on-one -on -one coverage down the sideline. Um, so that intelligent play there for Mac Jones. Kyle Trask, look, you know, here's the thing with him is you see a lot of the NFL concepts with with, with the offense and uh, you know, you really love the ball placement. I think for both he and Mac Jones, ball placement, anticipation, you definitely see that. But here's the difference between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. Mac Jones has that extra velocity there on it, you know, on his football. You know, he puts the ball on a line and gets it there to the receiver. Kyle Trask, you don't always see that. And that's the thing that really scares you. And look, these are two guys that aren't very mobile. So if you're not the most mobile guy, you can manipulate the pocket some. But in this day and age with the with the NFL quarterback, that mobile quarterback, you know, you've got to be able to, to sling the football down the field if you aren't the most mobile. And that's the thing that you worry about with Kyle Trask. Can he sling the football down the way that Mac Jones does? And right now, that's why Kyle Trask is... is a day two guy, in my opinion. Um, you know, Devontae Smith is absolutely not a day two guy. Um, he's my pick for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, look, another game, 15 catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, very special receiver. Um, you know, Kadarius Toney really bringing himself. This was kind of a nice cap, you know, to his his, uh, his Florida career. 
because both he, Kyle Pitts, and Trevon Grimes have opted out of the bowl game against OU. And, you know, Kadarius Toney, eight catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Still lacks some polish to the route running. Um, probably leaves some extra yards out on the field. But, you know, there's no doubt that he's becoming a more well-rounded receiver, not just a gadget play guy. That was really the thing that I thought about before this year uh, with, with Kadarius Tony was, hey, let's get the football to this guy any way we can. But, you know, is he really a receiver? Is he going to be a, a Tavon Austin and just really kind of, you know, flame out at the next level? Um, I, I think Kadarius Tony, you know, he reminds me a little bit of, of Debo Samuel. Uh, Kyle Pitts doing Kyle Pitts things. Look, seven catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. This was a guy who was beating Patrick Sertan, arguably the best corner in the draft, on the outside, um, just doing a phenomenal job. Um, you know, the, the catch radius is ridiculous. The matchup nightmare. This is the guy to me, I think, is worthy of a top 10 pick. Look, if TJ Hawkinson can go number nine, I think Kyle Pitts can absolutely sneak his way into, you know, that, that conversation for number six through number nine. Um, I can absolutely see that. And then Trevon Grimes, look, four catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Number eight, kind of the forgotten guy, you know, when you talk about Florida, you're looking at all these receivers. But what I love about Trevon Grimes is his ability to go up and high point the football. He's going to, it doesn't matter where the ball is, that separation that he's able to create from the corner and go up and get the football. I want to see how he tests in the 40, see just how quick he is vertically. You don't want him to just be a one-trick pony and be a guy that's just going to be a high, uh, you know, a high point guy, you know, because that's ultimately what happened with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Everyone fell in love with the fact that he was physical to go up and attack the football in the air, but he doesn't have that burst. He can't separate. You know, even though he did run that 40 time at the combine, he hasn't been able to separate at the next level. That's really what's struggling. So that's really the thing that I, I want to see with Trevon Grimes. Can he really separate at the next level? One guy that I thought really, you know, his draft stock took a big hit, and that's Dylan Moses. Look, 6'3", 240 pounds. Um, he struggled in coverage. This is a guy, look, he's, you know, he anticipates to play sideline to sideline, scrapes over the top, can stack and shed, uh, covering the run. But man, he got lost in the zone. Uh, you know, Kyle Pitts running a dig route behind him. Had no idea where Kyle Pitts was. Ultimately, Pitts splits both him and, and uh, Christian Harris. Gets a catch for, a, for an easy first down. Uh, and then there are two other plays in man coverage against running backs where he was out of phase and ultimately had to grab the running back and was called for defensive pass interference. Uh, you know, he, he's struggling with that coverage, and that's really a big concern for me going forward with Dylan Moses. I think his draft stock definitely taking a hit. I've just seen a different player since the knee injury um, overall. So, and then obviously the uh, American Athletic Championship, Cincinnati, 27-24 winners over Tulsa. And this game, look, Desmond Ritter, um, I think he's an intriguing prospect. I just hope he doesn't come out. Yes, you know, after the, you know, there's a group of five or six quarterbacks, he could be in that conversation with Kellen Mond. But I, I think Kellen Mond has actually, you know, he's made that, that leap this year and has actually been a lot more consistent as a quarterback. Um, you know, so I, I think he could be an early day three quarterback. Um, you know, he may end up getting drafted higher because there is that demand for the quarterback position. I think Desmond Ritter needs to come back, come to Cincinnati for one more year, really uh, hone some of those skills a little bit. Um, but a guy who I think, you know, he, he has a tremendous arm. He has the legs. I just think he needs to put everything together, become a little bit more accurate, especially pushing the football down the field. But Desmond Ritter will be a guy that we'll be talking about for sure in a talented quarterback class in next year's draft. Um, that class, when you're talking about Sam Howell, 
Keaton, Keaton Slovis to, uh, you know, De'Ara King's coming back now. Um, you know, you got uh, Phil Dracovic. You know, there are a lot of really talented quarterbacks, but I, I think if he comes back, Desmond Ritter deserves to be in that conversation among those really solid quarterbacks. Carson Strong's another guy. Um, you know, there are a lot of really talented quarterbacks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly uh, what Desmond Ritter decides to do with the draft. But, you know, I, I think right now it might, he's probably still a year away. So those were the, the conference championships, as I mentioned. And uh, there have been quite a few bowl games that we've gotten to see so far to this point as well. And uh, we'll go through those quickly, take a look at a few of the matchups. Look, App State taking on North Texas, Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, you know, not really a whole lot of transition time there between, uh, you know, the end of the, the regular season and the bowl, bowl games. But I'll tell you what, Cameron Peoples didn't need it. 23 carries, over 300 yards, and five touchdowns had the most rushing yards in an FBS bowl game. And Cameron Peoples, look, he's only a sophomore, so he'll be back for one more year with the Mountaineers. Uh, but look, you know, 6'2", 210 pounds, runs like Eric Dickerson uh, or um, Eddie George. If you remember Chris Brown coming out of Colorado, same type of running style, really an upright runner and a guy that, you know, when he's got that head of steam with those long legs, watch out. Really a lot of fun to watch there for App State. Thomas Hennigan, Here's a guy to watch out for there for App State, a guy who I think you know is a possession receiver, a guy that teams are really going to love. Uh, he's 6'1", 205. He's battled a leg injury um, throughout the season, but he's continued to come out, continue to play hard for that program. And uh, so he's, he's a guy to me, I think if he can get right during the pre-draft process, he'll be a guy that could end up being a steal uh, late on day three. Um, Shamar Jean Charles is a corner that no one is really talking about. 5'11", 180 pounds, had 16 pass breakups this past season. I think that's among the top, if not the top, in the FBS uh, in 2020. Uh, 30 career pass breakups, really a nose for the football. He'll be a nice uh, late day three pick there. And then North Texas, I think they really struggled because they were without their number one target, Jalen Darden, 5'7", 183 pounds. This is a guy, look... Um, you know, had 19 touchdowns, which led the FBS. Had 31 total touchdowns in the last two seasons. Um, and a guy that I think he was the difference maker for that, that program. Um, so not having him, he had opted out before the bowl game. Um, really struggled there uh, to really get things going for uh, for North Texas. And uh, App State ultimately able to come out with that win there, 56-28. If you look at Nevada against Tulane. I'll tell you what, if I'm Jay Norvell, I'm really, you know, licking my chops, man. I'm looking at Nevada next year as a, you know, hopefully that, that defense is on par with the offense because I've got some weapons and, you know, I'll be able to, to hopefully keep them all here for one more season. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl against Tulane, 38-27 winners and Carson Strong, look, you know, fabulous again, five touchdown passes on the day and, uh, you know, he, he's, the deep ball is just so pretty. This is the guy. He he's gonna be that that high riser. You know, you look at Zach Wilson and the way that he throws the football. Carson Strong does the exact same. Uh, Romeo Dubs uh, is a receiver with long arms. A guy that is a you know a mismatch you know for corners because of that catch radius. Just put the ball anywhere near this guy and he's gonna go up and get it. And then Cole Turner, five catches, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. This is, you know, he's 6'6", 240 pounds, a guy that has the frame to put on some, some, more, um, some more weight 
and be really a force next year. You know, a guy that can go up and high point the football, excellent concentration. There was a, a tip, tip ball, able to come down and, and haul in the pass um, for a score. A lot of fun to watch there. And then Toa Tawa, the little bowling ball, over 100 yards in the game, also had six catches for 77 yards and a score. Toa Tawa, he's 5'9", but 210 pounds, at low center of gravity, really made, he's a pinball, bouncing off of tackles, shows really soft hands in the passing game. I'll tell you, Nevada's going to have one of the better offenses in the country next year, a team to really watch out for. Um, let, let's get to it now. Boca Raton Bowl, BYU, Central Florida, 49-23. And this was, look, Dylan Gabriel, for all the hype, um, you put him against a guy like Zach Wilson, and I think everything is apparent in terms of what he needs to work on. This is a guy um, you know, wanted to force the ball down the field, held on to the football as a result instead of really taking what the defense gave him. And look, Zach Wilson wasn't afraid to take what the defense gives him. You know, he wasn't afraid to, to dump the football down to a running back or to a tight end. And the thing that you see when the ball comes off of his hand, it's just it's got a different gear from a velocity standpoint, but he makes it look effortless. It's explosive. And when he's on the run, you know, a lot of quarterbacks will square their shoulders to the target and their hips come around and it's very, uh, you know, robotic or mechanical with their with that. He's more explosive, effortless, and very easy. As he's on the move, next thing you know, shoulders square, hips go around, and it's all in one fluid motion and it's very quick. And that ball comes out and the ball placement is absolutely perfect. He's got, you know, he hit uh, on, I want to say it was it was Neil Pau, uh, the receiver, on, on a 31-yard pass play to the wide side of the field. And the corner was right there in phase, but he puts the ball right outside where only his receiver can make, make a play on the football. And the corner really forced a perfect throw, and that's what Zach Wilson was doing. And he was doing it time and time again. The deep ball accuracy is ridiculous. 426 yards on the day, three touchdowns, going 26-34. To me, Zach Wilson is the number two quarterback in this year's draft, and I don't think it's even close at this point. Brady Christensen, the, the offensive tackle. Look, he's 6'6", 300 pounds. You've heard me talk about him. I've really been thinking that he was more than likely going to be uh, one of the top tackles in next year's draft. But look, AP, you know, the Associated Press made him a first-team All-American, so I think the hype is real around him um, that he may end up entering the draft. And uh, he's one of those guys who I think with this offensive line class, he could end up finding his way as a top-five offensive tackle. You know, I, I think he's been very consistent. You see his hands. They will get outside at times, but for the most part, they stay inside. And, uh, you know, he's very effortless with his kick slide. The lateral agility is absolutely there. And what sets him apart is the change of direction. He's not somebody who you're going to see get beaten inside very often after you know, taking his man up the field. Uh, moves very well laterally. Um, there was a play where he was flat-footed, and the defensive end, Josh Seliscar, beat him coming around the edge. Um, but for the most part, you'll see very active hands on the next play. Um, drove Josh Seliscar really, you know, almost halfway um, down the, uh, you know, down the towards the sideline um, and away from the pocket. Um, but again, easy kick slide, stays really low, keeps that low pad level. And, uh, you know, in the running game, shows a little bit of nastiness to him. You know, there was a zone block, uh, took his defensive end, and ultimately blocked him all the way down to actually clear out a backside, you know, a hole to the backside. And you saw uh, the running back, Travis Algeyer, put his foot in the ground, read that block, and get back to the, you know, reverse his field and get to the outside there to the left side. And um, Brady Christensen, 
really a name to watch out for if he does decide to enter the draft don't be surprised if he's a top five offensive tackle and if he enters the draft or if he decides to come back for one more year there at BYU don't be surprised if people are talking about him as one of the top two or three offensive tackles in the draft I know I will Georgia Southern Louisiana Tech New Orleans Bowl 38 to 3 winners there for Georgia Southern the guy that you really had to talk about here was shy words um, you know, the, the quarterback. And look, yes, you're going to look at the quarterback numbers of 7 to 12 for 126 yards and a score. Um, but, you know, he, he also had 73 uh, yards on the ground and three touchdowns. What do you like about Shy Wirtz? Look, he's 5'11, 205, had his 46th career start, very durable guy. What I really like about him is, is his vision. Um, you know, his athleticism, his ability to make people miss in space, and then his ability to find the cutback lanes. You know, they run that option play, and it's one of those things to where he made the right decision, when to pitch the ball, when to, when to take it, and just reading the defense and ultimately finding those lanes. I think he's a guy that, you know, if a team ends up taking a chance on, on him as an undrafted free agent, bring him in on, on the practice squad, let him get used to, um, you know, either being a receiver or a running back, but I, I think his natural ability running the football is one of those things that you're ultimately going to see shy words, I think, in an NFL uniform, at least in a camp. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he how he shakes out. Uh, Memphis taking on uh, Florida Atlantic in the Montgomery Bowl, um, in the, the Crampton Bowl there. And uh, Brady White, you know, a quarterback who I think may end up getting a look at the next level. 22-34, 284 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. A guy that's just rising up the draft boards there. I'm sorry, up the leaderboards there for, for Memphis. And uh, I feel like he's been there forever. Um, you know, A guy that just continues to get better and better. A transfer there from uh, from Arizona State. Follow Mike Norvell to, uh, to Memphis. And, uh, you know, he's a guy. He, he left on, on a high note there, a win there for Memphis. And uh, so he's a guy that I think you really have to, to watch out for when it's all said and done. Hawaii beat Houston 28-14 in the New Mexico Bowl, which was played, ironically enough, in Frisco, Texas. Um, you know, New Mexico having a lot of trouble with, with COVID-19. That's the reason for uh, the move there to Texas. And, uh, you know, th this is a, a team in Hawaii, uh, Todd Graham, really, you know, he has this team playing very well. And uh, Darius Muwasu is the guy that you really have to be on the lookout for. Nine tackles in the game, had a sack, an interception, a couple of uh, quarterback hurries. He's 6'3", 223 pounds. Uh, again, only a sophomore. 7.9 solo tackles per game, which led the FBS. Uh, very athletic guy coming after the quarterback. He and uh, Christian Trahan, um, the, the tight end there for Houston. I mentioned him before. Um, 6'3", 245 pounds. Very athletic. Five catches, 88 yards, and a score in this game. This is a guy who loves to attack the seam. Very, uh, very powerful as a blocker, you know, believe it or not, as well. So he's a guy that I could potentially see as an H back there for a program. Uh, Camellia Bull, Marshall, Buffalo. Um, Jared Patterson, as I mentioned, he was injured. Marshall without their, their stars in, in Knox and Ball and Beckett. Low scoring affair, 17 to 10. Kevin Marks, though, 35 carries, 138 yards, and, and a couple of touchdowns. This is a guy who I think for next year is going to be a name that we're going to be talking about um, there in Mac play. Um, the lateral quickness, his ability, the speed to get to the outside. Um, you saw that, you know, some of that elusiveness um, when he gets out to the edge, uh, especially, you know, able to sidestep some of the over-pursuing uh, 
defenders that were coming in there trying to bring him down. Had over 100 yards at you know 13:30 to go in the second quarter. Really a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Kevin Marks there, six foot, 205, redshirt junior there for, for Buffalo. Uh, Georgia State, 39-21 winners in the Lending Tree Bowl against Western Kentucky. And honestly, this was the game that was kind of the sending off for for D'Angelo Malone. Look, he could still come back at six tackles in the game, shut out from a sack standpoint. 41 and a half tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks. This is a guy who plays all over the field. And uh, look, he's only 6'3", 231 pounds. You'd love to see him add some weight. Brian Burns added about 15, 20 pounds, and that made all the difference in the world for him as he made the leap to the next level. I'd love to see D'Angelo Malone do a similar thing in terms of adding some of that weight to his body. I'd love to see him come back for one more year, and uh, he's one of those guys where I think it may actually happen. Uh, first responder bowl, uh, Louisiana against UTSA, uh, 31-24 winners for the Raging Cajuns. This was all about the running backs. Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis for, for Louisiana, and then Sincere McCormick for U, uh, UTSA. And, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell, this is a guy who, you know, runs runs with some attitude between the tackles. This, you know, he, he's not the biggest guy, but he's, he is 5'10 and 218 pounds, um, has, uh, you know, 11 100-yard games in his career, um, and a guy that... For me, when I watch him play, you know he has that the the ability to catch the football out of the backfield. Shows some soft hands as well. Um, the vision to, to see the hole, put the foot foot in the ground, get north and south. Um, the contact balance is definitely there as well for this guy. To me, I think uh, you know Mitchell has that capability of being a potential late day two, early day three guy. I think Trey Regis, the, the bowling ball of the group, 5'10", 222 pounds. He's going to be more of the, uh, you know, he's the thunder to Mitchell's lightning, if you will. The power on his legs, contact balance, running through arm tackles, really a guy that's more of a one-cut-and-go type of a runner, uh, not really using the passing game all that often. He'll be a day-three guy, but a guy that if you need to get some tough yards down the stretch, Trey Regis is going to be your guy. And then I mentioned Sincere McCormick. Look, he's only a sophomore, 5'9", 200 pounds, Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year, over uh, 1,300 yards on the ground. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy who you watch him, watch him run, puts that foot in the ground and, and gets north and south. You know, another guy that, you know, really lowers the pad level, runs behind those pads um, and, and will run you over. But then also has that lateral agility to get to the outside. He's another guy that we'll be talking about next year as a potential early entry. Um, and you don't think about that so often from Conference USA, but Sincere McCormick, again, a guy that was fun to watch. And then two guys in the middle that uh, you have to be on the lookout for. I'll give you one first for UTSA, the Roadrunners, Jalen Haynes. He's 6'2", 290 pounds. Um, and this is a guy, he saw double teams all day, but you know he, he's got tremendous effort. You know, he has great power in his hands coming off the football. Fights through double teams, but that burst, you know, coming off the ball, he keeps that pad level low. And yes, he's not the biggest guy at 6'2", 290, but he uses that leverage to his advantage and is able to fire back into the guy, uh, into the, usually it's the center that he's lined up over. And he's driving the center into the backfield then uses a really quick swim move to get by him and pressure the quarterback. And again, he runs really well. You know, he played both uh, the nose tackle and a three technique. Um, he'll be a name to watch out for. Uh, in, in NFL camps. And then Talon Humphrey, I think, has a chance to be a day three pick. He's 6'5", 333 pounds. Um, when his pad level gets high, he gets blown back off the football. 
but when he stays low, um, definitely has that pop in his hands to really jolt that center back. Um, really strong at the point of attack, extends those arms, and uh, isn't going to give ground. Um, Stout versus the double team as well. A guy that can eat up a lot of space. But again, if that pad level creeps up, you know he, he's not really much of a much of a factor. So that's really going to be the biggest concern is, is can he keep that pad level low? And I think the, the game of the of the entire bowl season to this point, Liberty against Coastal Carolina. Holy cow! 37-34 winners for the Flames, taking down the, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, number 12 ranked Chanticleers. And uh, you know this was a game. Look, Malik Willis, only a junior, not the best day throwing the football. Had a couple of interceptions, no touchdowns, but. Look, you know, he's tremendous with the football in his hands. 137 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. Um, Grayson McCall, only a freshman. He's, he's going to be a guy to watch out for. Had 96 yards on the ground, uh, 318 yards through the air, and three touchdowns. Uh, Javon Hiley, their, their receiver, had you know 13 catches for 178 yards. This is a guy, he can be a special receiver if he can put everything together. He's 6'2", 190 pounds. In 2020, had uh, just under 1,000 yards, 998. Two yards away from 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. Had 65 receptions, but here's the, here's the deal with him. He could have had so many more and probably could have eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark had it not been for all the drops. He's got to do a better job of, of seeing the football into his hands, really be more a more consistent pass catcher if he truly wants to be a prospect at the next level. And then Isaiah Likely, the tight end, he's he's the guy for me that that's so much fun to watch, um, and a guy who's battled injuries, you know, and he's got that ankle injury, and he was a guy that really the the Chanticleers had to kind of get going at you know uh, at the really the early part of the game because that ankle would start wearing on him uh but 6'4 245 pounds look you know 20 yards per reception at 601 yards uh five scores and that's with battling that ankle injury but look he had five catches 84 yards and a score if you haven't seen him play yet if you haven't seen the chanticleers play isaiah likely is a guy that you're gonna have to tune in and watch um, for sure so those were guys that had had really solid games cj marable not much of a factor in this game but again i want you know he's worth noting that uh you know he's someone who can catch the football out of the backfield has a nice burst to the outside really ran that option there for uh coastal carolina to perfection uh you know look 169 carries 887 yards that's 5.2 yards per carry and 12 touchdowns on the year cj marable a chance to be a late day three guy. He'll probably end up being an undrafted free agent, um, but a guy who I think could be a surprise. He could end up being this year's James Robinson. So those were the bowl games that we've gotten to see to this point. Obviously, we've got some bowl games that are coming up, and I want to make sure that we are um, all ready to go for those bowl games. And uh, you know, I think we're right on schedule here. So let's go ahead and just jump right into into the action. And uh, you know, you've got that Cheez It Bowl in the Camping World Stadium there in Orlando. Oklahoma State taking on Miami. And look, Miami, this was going to be the game to watch Jalen Phillips and, and Quincy Roche and, and company. Um, really, that that defense, that vaunted defense. You know, a lot of fun to watch all of these guys play. Uh, unfortunately, you won't get to watch them because they've all opted out for the draft. Um, you know, not only Jalen Phillips is leading the team in sacks, Quincy Roche second on the team in sacks. Um, but I'll give you a couple of names to watch out for. Um, Jared Williams, uh, number 62, the right tackle. Um, he's 6'6", 310 pounds, has really good length, 
And this is a guy, look, you know, he's not going to be a left tackle because he struggles at times with, with, with some speed rushers, but definitely a guy who I think um, is, is worthy of being a day three pick. You know, he is going to be one of those developmental tackles and uh, you know, really shows some, some good lateral agility, um, shows some, some power in the running game as well. Um, really a, a guy to, to keep an eye out for there. And then on defense, Bubba Bolden. He's only a, only a junior, the transfer from USC, but a guy that made plays all over the football field for the Hurricanes. Um, and they're going to need him back there. Um, Oklahoma State, they'll have LD Brown running the football there in Chuba uh, Hubbard's absence. Um, you know, because Hubbard has opted out, as has Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle who's battled injuries. Um, I think Tevin Jenkins has a chance to be a first rounder. Ch- Chuba Hubbard, I see him probably being a, a mid-day three pick at this point. He's a guy that, for me, if you've got an offense and you need a speed speed guy and you're able to create for him, then you know I think he might have something. But he can't really create for himself, and I think that was really painfully evident when that offensive line went through some of those injury struggles. Um, and so that's ultimately Oklahoma State, though, they are getting Tylen Wallace, their, their talented receiver, a guy who, look, you know, he's just a couple of years removed from being that Bolitnikoff Award finalist. And when you think about Tylen Wallace, um, you know, you think about the physicality. He's not the biggest guy at the receiver position, but he plays bigger than, than his size. He's 6'4", 190 pounds, and that might be generous um, with that listing. But uh, look, as a sophomore, 86 catches, 1,491 yards, and, and 12 touchdowns. Back to form now, battled some injuries, had another knee injury. I think the medicals, more than anything else, are going to be the biggest concern here for him. But a guy who loves contact, he's going to fight through it. And then that late separation and the ability to go up and, and high point the football, the body control in the air, his ability to adjust to the football. He's the guy that makes it a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy's offense, you know, he's going to have um, Spencer Spencer Sanders throwing him the football. Although I think Spencer Sanders, you know, he's a guy that has kind of struggled to really get things going since the, the injury to start out the year. He's now, really been out of sync. Um, so hopefully they can get things going there. Defensively, a guy to watch out for, Rodarius Williams, number eight. Doesn't get the ball thrown his way all that often. He's six foot, 195 pounds. A guy who hasn't given up a touchdown all year and a guy who can be a lockdown corner. 27 pass breakups in his career there. Had two interceptions in 2018, and then teams just did not want to throw the football his way. You know, 18 pass breakups in his first two years. Last two two, two seasons, just nine pass breakups. So, you know, definitely a guy who, as you know, his career went on there in Stillwater, teams just shied away from him, and there's a reason for it. He's a guy for me, I put him into my top 10 in the corners, a guy that teams are not, or people aren't really talking about. I think teams are gonna fall in love with him as they start getting through the pre-draft process. Um, so as we continue to move along through the, the, the bowl games here, I can get that back up here on my system. So you've got the Valero Alamo Bowl, and that features Texas going up against Colorado. Now Texas, they're gonna be without a lot of their studs. So you're missing Samuel Cosme, the left tackle, I think right now is probably uh, your number three tackle. I've got him behind Christian uh, Derrissaw at number two, then obviously Panay Sewell at number one. If you consider Rashawn Slater a tackle, and I need to start thinking about that potentially being that guy, Isaiah Wynn, really showing that you know, those, those uh, guys that lack length at the offensive tackle position can still get the job done. So you may also see Samuel Cosby fall to the number four tackle. I think there's some things, you know, some uh, that lower body that he needs to work on. 
uh, a little bit. He's definitely a finesse offensive tackle. Um, does have some power in his hands, uh, but I think he's more of a finesse guy because he doesn't have um, the footwork and the base to be able to anchor. Um, so I think that's where you know, what's ultimately going to hurt Samuel Cosme a little bit. He won't be there. Uh, Joseph Osai, you know, he's one of the guys, one of the few guys who I think he was definitely helped himself um, you know, the, the most. Um, he's on that short list. He and Zayvon Collins are the two names that come to mind that you know really now are being talked about as first-round picks. 6'4", 253 pounds. I remember talking at the beginning of the year, he just didn't look all that explosive. His spin move, too many steps, and then all of a sudden, as he got going, you know, I, I guess it was just the fact that there really wasn't much of a training camp for them. Man, 55 tackles in nine games, 15 and a half going for loss, five and a half sacks, a guy that just was wreaking havoc coming off the off the, the edge. And man, what he did against Oklahoma State to preserve the victory for, for Texas in the red zone, chasing down Spencer Sanders and getting that sack to end the game was phenomenal. One of the best plays of the entire college football season, in my opinion. He won't be there. Caden Stearns, I, I honestly, I don't understand the hype with Caden Stearns. To me, he's, he's a, a guy that should come off the board um, somewhere day three. Uh, midday three pick. I just don't think he's lived up to that hype uh, from his his freshman season. It was a freshman All-America, had four interceptions, another four pass breakups, uh, a guy that seemed to fly all around, you know, all over the field. I just think that he's kind of regressed as his, as his career has gone on there at Austin, uh, but he's opted out as well. So really, the only guy that you're really going to get to watch there at Texas um, in the bowl game is Sam Ellinger. They're their quarterback. And this is a guy, look, we talk about him being a gamer. He's 6'3", 225 pounds. Yes, he has thrown for, you know, uh, has completed 62.5% of his, his passes. But this year, just 60.1% of his passes completed. Um, 25 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. But when you look at the interceptions, 27 total interceptions in his career. Uh, yes, he has the 93 touchdowns. But a lot of ill-advised decisions um, especially late, some of the interceptions that he threw, the one against OU, Texas trying to uh, to drive down and score, and ultimately, the, you know, just a bad overthrow, and ultimately hit uh, hit Trey Brown in the end zone. Um, you know, to me, he, he's not much of, a, of an NFL prospect at the quarterback position. But what I'll tell you, this is a big, physical kid, and, and a guy who I think could have a home being another. Taysom Hill type. And when I say that, when you look at him, um, over 500 carries, 1,908 yards, 33 touchdowns. He's big, he's physical, and I think you can use him in that way. Um, look, he actually has nine receptions in his career as well. I think that's really, for me, what I when I look at Sam Ellinger, I think he'll be more of a Taysom Hill guy. He's not going to be a Blake Bell guy. Not like the bell dozer uh, there at OU who's transitioned to the tight end position. I think ultimately Sam Ellinger is going to be that Taysom Hill type uh, of player. And I think that really makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so you'll have him going up against Colorado. And when you look at Colorado, um, you know I think Mustafa Johnson is a guy that, that has to draw some of your attention. Uh, he's 5'11", 290 pounds, uh, wears number 34 um, up front. Undersized defensive defensive tackle uh, plays a you know 34 um, you know five technique in that 34 defense. Um, 
a guy who really hasn't lived up to the hype since his, his sophomore season, battled some injuries, and I think that's really going to be the biggest red flag. But look, 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks as a sophomore. Uh, since then, uh, just managed nine and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks in just 13 games in his final two years. And, um, you know, but a guy who I think because of that explosiveness, because of his ability to play with leverage, he's someone that you at least have to have to consider um, you know, as a potential uh, undrafted free agent who could end up making an NFL camp. Uh, but the guy that I feel bad for is, is Nate Landman, the inside linebacker there for Colorado. Suffered a season-ending ankle injury in their last game. And uh, look, you know, 284 yards. I'm sorry, 284 total tackles in his career. Um, really, the last two seasons uh, as a sophomore and junior, uh, over 100 tackles in each of those years. 36 tackles for loss, 10 sacks, three interceptions, seven pass breakups. A guy who just has a nose for the football. Incredibly instinctive. I think that he's actually a, a three-down linebacker. He can drop into coverage. Does a really good job reading the quarterback's eyes. He's really good coming downhill. But I saw some lateral quickness this year that I don't think I really saw in past seasons. So he was really an intriguing prospect for me. And now because of that ankle injury, I wonder if he's going to come back and play there at Colorado for one more year. Carl Durrell really had things going there for Colorado. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Nate Landman does come back um, for one more year there with the Buffs. Um, Wisconsin taking on Wake Forest. We don't get to see Carlos Boogie Basham in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Um, and look, you know, Boogie Basham, a guy who I think has more explosiveness than than uh, AJ Epinesa. But when I look at him, you know, it's hard not to, to see that. You know, the 6'5", 285 pounds, has 19 and a half tackle, uh, 19 and a half sacks, 35 and a half tackles for loss. Also has eight pass breakups, seven forced fumbles. Um, a guy who, you know, he, he bends pretty well coming around the edge. Has a little bit more explosiveness, a little bit more juice to him, and uh, you know. Like Epinesa has that you know that that ability that, that effort nonstop effort working to the quarterback. Um, I, I think he'll be a guy that you know in a, a year where the pass rusher you know I, I think Jalen Phillips is probably going to be a first rounder if the medicals check out. So I, I think Carlos Basham will probably be an early day two guy. Um, I, I think when it's all said and done, he won't be there for Wake Forest. So unfortunately, we'll, we'll miss out there. But Wisconsin, you'll get to watch Jake Ferguson, the tight end. Talented uh, receiving tight end there for Graham Mertz, the quarterback. Cole Van Landen, the offensive tackle, uh, the left tackle there. He'll be a, probably a late day three guy, but could potentially be a, a swing tackle at the next level. I don't know that he has enough uh, foot speed to be a, a left tackle at the next level, but I think he'll be more of that right tackle, um, if you will. Um, defensively, I think Jack Sanborn is my guy when, when I think about guys transitioning to the next level. You think of all those linebackers there from Wisconsin, from Joe Schobert to, to Zach Bond most recently, Vince Beagle. Uh, I think this is the, the next guy uh, that you're going to be talking about. Chris Borland, how can I forget him? Um, but I, I think Jack Sanborn's that next guy, 6'2", 253 pounds, um, a guy who plays really well downhill. I want to see if he can play laterally. And that's really the biggest biggest question mark that I have for him right now. Only a junior, so I anticipate him coming back to Madison for one more season. Um, Music City Bowl, um, there on December 30th, as I mentioned, will no longer happen. So we won't get to see that matchup. 
but uh, we will get to see Oklahoma take on Florida. And yes, all those receivers are gone. Not only are Kyle Pitts, Trevon Grimes, and Darius Toney not going to be in that game, but uh, Jacob Copeland also has a COVID-19 uh, situation as well. So he won't be playing. So when you talk about Kyle Trask, you want to see you know, what type of moxie this guy has and what, what can he do with this program without his top four receivers. What can this guy do? That's going to be interesting, especially against an improved OU front. I've already talked about Ronnie Perkins and Perrion Winfrey, what they've, they've been able to bring to the table. But Isaiah Thomas has really proven himself as a guy that can be um, a, a potential pro prospect uh, when it's all said and done. Isaiah Thomas, look, when you turn on the game film, he's a guy that just shows a tremendous burst coming off the football. I think that's one of the things that you absolutely see time and time again with him um, is, is he wants to continue to work. Um, and I, I think that's definitely apparent. But um, I'm trying to pull up his stats here. And uh, a guy who I think could have been the uh, defensive lineman of the year in the Big 12, ultimately I went to, to Darius Stills of, of West Virginia, and rightfully so. But when you look at it, look, you know, he had only had two tackles for loss and two sacks in nine total games for the Sooners. Comes in this season, plays in 10 games, 12 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Showed uh, really, you know, the the length was one of the things that I thought was really impressive. He had the burst to come off the football, but then using that length to stay off of blockers and be able to, to shed and shoot in, into the backfield and get after the quarterback. Showed a nice burst to close on the quarterback as well. Uh, you know, I think Isaiah Thomas is somebody that you definitely have to be on the lookout for. And then Nick Benito really starting to put things together a little bit. 6'3", 238 pounds. This was another guy that was starting to wreak havoc coming off the edge there for the Sooners late. Again, Ronnie Perkins really making a huge difference for these guys. But uh, 10 and a half tackles for loss, 8 sacks on the year. He'll be another guy to watch for in this game coming after uh, Kyle Trask. And then defensively for, um, you know, when we talk about defenses, we're going to have to also talk about, um, you know, Florida. When you talk about Florida, Ventrell Miller, only a, only a junior, could come back, but 6'1", 230 pounds, inside linebacker. You know, he's a guy, you know, when you talked about, you know, David Reese no longer being there with the program and, and some of the other linebackers that, that they have, Rosan Joseph, who's going to be the next guy? Well, Ventrell Miller has absolutely been that guy. 86 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. The guy that's shown the ability to play sideline to sideline. Um, I want to see him really show showcase an ability to drop into coverage a little bit more. Um, he did have a, an interception return for a touchdown of 82 yards um, as a freshman. Has broken up five passes in the last two seasons. But a guy who I just want to continue to see develop there. Uh, Daryl Slayton, the big physical mammoth 340 350 pounder there in the middle of that defense he's a physical presence a physical specimen but he has you know not only does he have the power in his hands but he has that short area burst that makes him really scary a guy that i think is going to end up being a mid to late day three pick but a guy who you know you can't have enough you, know, you can't teach size and power like that and he definitely has that um in, in bunches uh, Zachary Carter, another guy to watch for, number 17 there, 6'4", 290 pounds. Um, he he could potentially come out, you know, and, and you know he's a guy that I think could be a a, a 34, uh, you know, a five technique in a 34 defense, could be a, a three technique in a in an even man front. 14 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. Um, 
largely in the last two seasons there at Florida. Only a junior, but he's a guy to keep an eye out for. I think, honestly, he's outperformed Brenton Cox this year. Brenton Cox, I think there was a lot of hype surrounding him. The 6'3", 250-pounder coming out of Georgia. You know, as a pass rusher, what's he going to be able to do? Um, redshirt sophomore season there for Florida. And uh, he kind of underperformed. He did have 10 tackles for loss, just three and a half sacks. And a guy who I thought you know, was getting blocked uh, rather easily at times. So he faced Alex Leatherwood. And yes, Alex Leatherwood's one of the best tackles, but you know, he didn't even have to work on half of, half of his blocks. It just looked like he shut, shut Brenton Cox down and you really didn't see uh, a secondary move from him. So to me, I, when I look at this, I think you know, Brenton Cox needs to come back and have a big year there for Florida uh, you know, next season. So as we move on, Mississippi State taking on Tulsa in the Armed Forces Bowl. Um, Zayvon Collins um, has, has announced that he's going to forego, you know, and, and enter the draft. And uh, look, you know, this guy is the big Narek Award winner, the AP, uh, you know, Defensive Player of the Year, and rightfully so. And, and look, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't have a podcast without mentioning Zayvon Collins and raving about my favorite college football player. Look. 6'4", 260 pounds, and this is a dude who just flew around with the football. Look, you know, in his first two seasons had, uh, you know, combined 182 tackles, 17 and a half tackles for loss, and three and a half sacks. This year, this was a guy who, you know, he just, he continued to get better and better there for Tulsa. Um, You know, seven and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, 54 tackles in just eight games, four interceptions, including returning two of them for touchdown, one of which was a 96-yarder that he returned for a touchdown as really a walk-off interception return against Tulane in overtime. Um, you're playing for the Cardiac Kids. I mean, Tulsa just, you know, comeback after comeback after comeback. Um, eight pass breakups uh, on the year uh, in his career. Three forced fumbles as well. Um, Zayvon Collins can do it all. You know, this is a guy, if you need him to rush the passer, he has uh, has the speed to do so. Look, he's 6'4", 260, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's running in the four low 4.5s four at the combine. You know, 4.53, here we come. Um, but a guy who, you know, when you watch him come off the edge, he bends for a guy, you know, who should be a lot smaller than him. You know, and, you know, but his, his ability to, there was a run play, it was a stretch play to the outside to, you know, the left side of the offensive formation. He's on the opposite hash and shows this lateral quickness to get outside all the way over to the opposite side of the field to drop the running back for maybe a one or two yard game. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And not only showing that speed, but the instincts to really read the play, take off and get there and arrive at the football with bad intentions. And then again, you know, dropping into coverage. You know, this was a guy who, you know, he had six pass breakups coming into the year, but the interceptions really, you know, that those interceptions were huge. Those four interceptions really made a difference and made an impact for Tulsa. And that's really where people looked at him and really started taking notice. He could do it all. He can drop into coverage. He can read quarterback's eyes. He can, you know, he can man, you know, man to man if he needs to, but zone coverage is really where he excels. He watches that quarterback. He makes those reads, understands, you know, some of the route concepts, and then he really goes. And look, this is a, this is a former gymnast, a guy who, you know, with that flexibility, you absolutely see that, and it's something that's always on display. Now, without Zayvon Collins in the game, you're going to really get to focus on a guy by the name of Jackson Player, and I love this guy as well. You know, this is a guy. Look, number 90. He's six foot two ninety. 
a guy who's undersized, you know, as that nose tackle. You know, I think he really would excel um, as a, a three technique at the next level. But uh, you know, had eight tackles for loss, three sacks on the year. Uh, a, a guy who's explosive, getting you know, getting into opposing backfields. Um, you're going to see a couple of really big corners uh, also matching up against Mike Leach's offense. Ali Green, the fourth, is a 6'3", 206-pound uh, corner, uh, a guy with some, some decent ball skills. But uh, I think the guy in, you know, on the back end that you really have to watch out for is a Caleb Evans. He's only, uh, only a junior. He's a redshirt junior, so he could come out. But uh, he's a guy for me that that is is more of that dynamic corner, 6'2", 188 pounds. Uh, what I like about uh, you know both of these guys is they're very physical. Ali Green loves to force his receivers into the boundary and really sometimes out in you know out into the sideline you know when, whenever he can. Um, but you know those are guys that you're gonna definitely have to watch out there for for Tulsa in that game. And look, Mike Leach. You know, that, that's an offense that's really trying to uh, to resurrect itself. You know, Casey Costello really struggling at that quarterback position. Um, so it, it's one of those matchups to where, you know, what is Mississippi State really going to bring? Um, you know, this is a program that, that struggled mightily um, to really get things going um, after they, they put on such a passing display uh, against LSU, over 600 yards passing in that first game um, against uh, against Bo Pelini, and Bo Pelini never wanted to pull out of their their man to man, and that's ultimately what ended up you know, messing with things you know more often than not. So that that's something for me that it, it's going to be interesting to see you know that that dy- the uh, whether or not these big physical corners there for Tulsa will be able to match up with uh, Mike Leach's offense. And that's really the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking for. Look, Mississippi State, they're only 3-7 and seven on the year. You know, they're sixth in, in the SEC West. But uh, because of the bowl contracts and such and just really the landscape right now, they're, they're able to make it into a bowl game. Um, I think Tulsa ends up winning this game hands down. Um, will Rogers is a young quarterback there. He'll be the guy that's getting the start. Um, if you want to find a guy for the draft, how about Errol Thompson? They're, they're linebacker there in the middle of the field. Um, he's, he's a big physical dude. He's a thumper, 6'1", 250 pounds. A guy that's going to come downhill and make plays. Um, you know, a guy, look, you know, 87 tackles on the year, you know, SEC play. Um, definitely a guy that is, is one of those volume tacklers. A guy who I think, though, you know, I don't know that he can drop into coverage. He's more of a two-down linebacker, which I think limits his, his draft stock at the next level. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do there. Tulsa, by the way, they've got some big running backs. T.K. Wilkerson, I hope he gets to play. Um, you know, he's battling some injuries. Big dude. He'd be fun to watch. Uh, Liberty Bowl, Tony Fields, West Virginia. He's not playing. He's opted out. Um, a, a guy who was a three-year starter there at, at U of A with um, – with the Wildcats in Arizona, um, ultimately transferred to West Virginia, and uh, look, you know, had a tremendous year through nine games, had 88 tackles among the the tackle leaders in the country, um, and that's one of the things. Look, he had 375 tackles in, in four years at the collegiate level, uh, 21 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, three interceptions, six pass breakups. You know, a pretty fluid athlete in coverage, a guy that can can rush the quarterback a little bit, uh, but really makes plays behind the line of scrimmage, can play in the box, um, but can also drop 
Um, does a decent job in, in zone coverage as well. Um, you know, Darius Stills, I know he's already declared himself eligible for the draft. I'm not sure. I don't have him on my list of opt-outs, uh, but we may not get to see Darius. Um, he was the uh, – actually, he has opted out. I did confirm that now. Uh, if you go to sports uh, sports-reference.com, I uh, was able to verify Darius Stills did opt out for the draft. And look, you know, 23 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks at the nose tackle position. Um, you know, 6'1", 285 pounds. Another guy, you know, who I think will excel, you know, on the interior of a defensive line in, a, in an even man front. Um, but with him not playing, uh, the guy, all eyes now are going to be on on his brother Dante. Uh, Dante Stills, he's 6'4", 280 pounds, and he's no slouch either, man. In 2019, as a sophomore, 14 tackles for loss, eight sacks, and uh, you know, this year. What hasn't really put together that, that sack total that you want to see, um, but still seven and a half tackles for loss. He'll be the guy that really that that team is going to lean on defensively, uh, going up against Army and Army with their offense that triple op, you know triple option. He's going to be really that that focal point on that defensive line. Can he get up the field? Can he be disruptive? Um, you know, I think Army ultimately ends up winning this game. Although I really like what Neil Brown is starting to do there, um, you know, in, in West Virginia. Um, Arizona Bowl, Ball State, we've already talked about them. We know Caleb Huntley's opted out. They're taking on San Jose State, also a team that we've talked about already. Um, this is going to be an interesting matchup. You know, I think you've got Justin Hall and, uh, and Johannes uh, Tyler. They're the receivers for, for Ball State. You've got Christian Albright, the linebacker. But, man, San Jose State, they're so talented. Uh, Nick Starkle, I think another big game here. And, and I think you're, the, the draft scouts are really going to start taking notice of Nick Starkle. I think, you know, he's a guy that struggled mightily there in SEC play, really found a home there um, with Brent Brennan and, uh, and San Jose State. And, uh, you know, just playing loose, having fun. And I think he may end up playing his way into getting a shot at the next level. Um, he's got his receivers, Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither, both guys that I think will be in NFL camps uh, come next season. And then Cade Hall. Man, you want to watch a guy that plays, you know, with his hair on fire. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, he reminds me a lot of, of Wyatt Huber. Um, if you've heard my my uh, my podcast, you know, I've talked about him, a guy that I, I, I wanted to see come back for one more year, but uh, I don't blame him for coming back, you know, for entering the draft. And really, when you watch Wyatt Huber, um, you know, he's 6'3", 270, um, two-time All-Big all 12 selection, and a guy, look, you know, had eight and a half sacks this year. Um, that that's, brings him to 20 in his career there in Manhattan, 33 tackles for loss, and a guy that just continues. He's a guy that plays with his hair on fire, always coming, looking to come off the edge. Cade Hall, similar prospect. I think actually Cade Hall does a better job setting the edge, and I like his push-pull a little bit more, but definitely both he and Wyatt Huber bending the edge. Um, you know, Wyatt Huber, unfortunately, K-State opted out of a bowl game. We won't get to see him play again um, in, in the purple there um, for the Wildcats. But uh, you will get to watch uh, Cade Hall, and uh, he'll be a name to watch out for in next year's draft. Um, Arkansas taking on TCU. Um, you know, we, we miss out on, on Raheem Boyd running back there for the Razorbacks. He's opted out, a guy that I think can, can not only run the ball between the tackles, kind of more of an upright upright runner but he also has decent hands coming out of the backfield i think for tcu obviously you have uh, trevin merrick 
And, uh, you know, I don't believe uh, Trevin Merrick has, has opted out yet. Um, again, I'm, I'm here on sportreference.com. I need to go in and take a look real quick and see if Trevin Merrick has opted out. Does not look like he has to this point. 6-2-2-0-2, one of the best safeties in the game. Seven interceptions, 21 pass breakups in his career. Uh, you know, a guy who I think is just so intelligent, a guy that can cover. Um, you know, guys in the slot can even bounce to the outside if you need him to. A guy that'll play, you know, deep over the top if you need him to as well. Uh, can be a single high, you know, can do a little bit of everything. I think that's really what you're looking for at the next level is, is a safety that can be really versatile. Uh, Trevin Merrick is definitely that guy. And uh, if you're looking for a linebacker, um, you know, I, I look at Garrett Wallow. And when I, he's a name that you don't really think of. But when I think of a guy like Ty Summers, a guy that's playing for the Packers, gotten some playing time, was a leading tackler in one of their games. Garrett Wallow is a similar player. You know, 6'2", 230 pounds. He's not quite as big as, as Ty Summers. Summers actually ended up playing defensive end um, for the Horn Frogs um, in one of the seasons. But look, you know, Wallow is definitely a, a volume tackler. Uh, 295 pounds or 295 tackles in essentially three seasons. Had 125 tackles with 18 tackles for loss a season ago. Um, had 90 tackles in 10 games. So that's if you're doing the math at home. That's nine tackles a game. Nine tackles for loss, two sacks. Uh, you know, a guy who looked at 32 and a half sacks in his career, eight and a half sacks, has a nose for the football, three forced fumbles in his career as well. Um, not the, you know, he's, he's probably not the, the best athlete. You know, he's, he's probably an average athlete. Um, but a guy who I wouldn't rule out making an NFL roster because he has the instincts, because he flies around to the football. He'll be a fun guy to watch there for TCU as well. I think TCU ends up getting the win there, although I love what uh, what Sam Pittman's doing there with Arkansas. Felipe Franks, another quarterback who I think could potentially get a look at the next level as a de- developmental prospect. We get into January 1st, Cincinnati. We've talked about them. Look, they're secondary. They've got Ahmad Gardner. They've got uh, you know, James Wiggins. They've got Derek Forrest, Kobe Bryant, all of those guys are going to be playing at the NFL level, as will Myjai Sanders, their, their edge rusher extraordinaire. Georgia, we got a lot of guys opting out. Aziz Ajulari is a guy who I, you know, I, I think is going to be one of the top, because we're, we're starved for pass rushers, I think Ojulari, um, he's among the, the collegiate leaders in, in quarterback hurries. Um, 6'3", 240 pounds, nine and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, but I believe it was like 24 or 25 uh, quarterback hurries as well. Uh, just a guy who just continues bending the edge, speed rusher coming off the edge. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. He won't be in the game. Monty Rice, second on the team in tackles. He won't be there. Eric Stokes, the interception leader for the team. Um, and a guy who I think has an ch- outside chance of being a first rounder, probably going to be an early day two pick. Ben Cleveland, their best offensive lineman, heavy handed, big dude, 340 pounds. He'll be missed as well. Their star position player, Mark Webb's opting out. Um, you know, the one guy that I haven't seen opt out just yet is Tyson Campbell. I'm waiting for that to happen. Just has not happened yet. And look, I think of the two corners, Eric Stokes has had the better year overall. I think Tyson Campbell, was 6'2", 185, he's had some, had some of his ups and downs. You know, I, I thought he's looked good at times. I thought he looked great against Seth Williams. 
but there have been some other receivers that he's matched up against where he just got burned. You know, and if you put on on tape of, of of him matching up against some of the guys, you know, when he went up against Kyle Pitts, you know, he was getting burned. And so that's the thing. You know, does he want to put that tape on you know out there? Or does he want to come back for one more year? You know, we'll see what ultimately what happens there with him. Um, Citrus Bowl. Auburn taking on Northwestern. Uh, Greg Newsom, the second first team All Big Ten selection. I've talked about him previously. He won't be in that game. You are going to get to see Patty Fisher, their middle linebacker, a guy who uh, you know, plays well. Again, another guy that plays well downhill. Can he be, you know, a guy that can play sideline to sideline? I think he can. Not only is he a volume tackler, but a guy that I think does really well in zone coverage, reading quarterbacks' eyes. Very intelligent. Uh, at the linebacker position. Uh, Rose Bowl, Notre Dame, and Alabama. I mean, we've talked about them at length uh, throughout the year. Obviously, with Notre Dame, you've got the likes of, of Liam Eikenberg, a second-team All-American, a left tackle. And then you've got Aaron Banks, a uh, first-team All-American, a guard. Uh, I think Liam Eikenberg is a top-four tackle, one of the more consistent tackles in the you know, And it shows AP uh, selecting him to the second-team All-American. Buckus Award winner on, on defense, uh, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa um, But look, Alabama just has too many weapons, too many guns, too many horses. Uh, they are without uh, Landon Dickerson, their, their first-team All-American center, down with a knee injury. You know, And, and you feel for this guy. He's, he was big, physical, long arms, but he had two knee injuries there uh, at Florida State. Transfers to Alabama. Now he has another knee injury. All those injuries, you know, huge red flag. Um, so that's ultimately, you wonder what's going to happen with him. Does he come back to Bama for one more year? Uh, because of his injury history, does he try to enter the draft? You know, it, I think the medicals could potentially kill him. Um, you know, you've got Notre Dame, I think, where they could potentially get a run there. Is that offensive line going up against that, that D-line? Uh, and those linebackers, you know, that's something that's going to be interesting. Can they move the football there? Um, that that offensive line, giving Ian Book some time as well. You know, that secondary has been torched at times. You saw what Kyle Pitt or Kyle Trask was able to do. Ian Book with some of that creativity. He just doesn't have a lot of the weapons there on the outside. I think Alabama ends up winning this game, going away. You know, I just don't know that Notre Dame has enough guys on the outside to deal with. Uh, Devontae Smith, um, John Mechie, and, uh, and Najee Harris. And really, it's Steve Sarkeesian. He's going to find ways to get receivers open. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Devontae Smith doesn't have you know, 12, 13, 14 catches for over 200 yards and two or three touchdowns. Mac Jones throwing wide open receivers. You know, This is a guy, there's nobody on Notre Dame's roster that can cover this guy. Um, you know, bottom line. Ohio State taking on Clemson. You know, you've got Trevor Lawrence, you've got Travis Etienne um, with, with Ohio State. You're going to have, you know, if Baron Browning is going to be able to play, um, you know, you've got a, you know, an athletic linebacker. Pete Werner's like another safety. Um, you've got Sean Wade that you can match up there, um, you know, with the passing attack. Um, but I just don't know that Ohio State has enough guns to be able to, to match up there with that offense. And then defensively, Ohio, you know, Ohio State needs to be able to really ball control, I think is going to be huge. You saw what Trey Sermon was able to do there against Northwestern. Can he do the same thing against this young front? You know, you've got Brian Brissy and Miles Murphy. 
They are stud. They're five-star guys, and they're stud. They've played really well. They're going to really have to key in there against Clemson, be committed to running the football, and then allow Justin Fields to air it out to the smooth Chris Olave and the explosive uh, Garrett Wilson uh, on the outside. Um, I, I just don't know that Ohio State has enough guys to really be able to make that you know, make that happen. Um, you've got Darion Kendrick. I'd love to see that matchup. Kendrick against Olave. And then James Skalski, he's he's another coach out there on the field. He does a great job reading reading the, the offense and reading out the keys and setting his guys up to be in a play, you know, in a position to make a play. He was not in that game against Notre Dame, and that's a big reason why that defense, I think, struggled as, as much as it did. You saw when he came back 34-10 final. You know, I think James, I'd like to think that James Skalski had a lot to do with that. Watch 47 there in that game. Uh, NC State taking on Ken, uh, Kentucky. Aleem McNeil there for NC State. I mean, he's announced that he's entering the draft. Um, he won't be in that bowl game. And, and what I love about Aleem McNeil, though, is, is an explosive... Uh, actually, it looks like he may actually, he may not have um, opted out of the bowl game just yet. But definitely an explosive playmaker there. Uh, 17 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks in his career, 6'2", 320 pounds. Again, in a, in a year where we don't have a ton of defensive line prospects, defensive tackles, he can end up being a late day two pick, probably you know mid to late th- you know uh, third round pick and a guy that'll be an instant rotational player there. NC State's known for their, their their defensive linemen, and you're getting another good one there in Aline McNeil. Kentucky, uh, Kelvin Joseph, you know, among the, the collegiate leaders in interceptions, he's opted out, but you are going to get to see Drake Jackson, Landon Young, a couple of, uh, of offensive tackles. Uh, I'm sorry, offensive linemen. Drake Jackson is one of the better centers in the country. Landon Landon Young, a big physical tackle. He's playing left tackle for the Wildcats. I think ultimately um, he's going to end up being a guy that is going to probably kick over to the, to the right side, possibly even be a guard. Um, and how about Darian Kennard? Their AP All-America honors there. Um, really a guy that's, that's leading uh, this offensive line, even though all the conversation was about Landon Young and... Uh, and Drake Jackson, this is a dude who just has continued to get better. Um, you know, and that's the thing that is, is so interesting about him is the athleticism, the, the toughness, and he's not really somebody who was on anybody's radar. I think now he's probably, you know, at best, probably a third-round pick, um, in my opinion. You know, but a guy who I think has definitely continued to uh, to progress. I think he may end up being a guard at the next level as well, um, but a guy who I think, you know, if he ultimately ends up wanting to look at potentially moving up uh, you know, into the second round range, then he comes back for one more season. But I think he, if if he's comfortable with being a late day two pick, I think Canard uh, ends up coming out. So you're going to get to see three offensive linemen with uh, next level potential. Um, Outback Bowl, uh, Ole Miss taking on Indiana. Indiana, you're going to get to see my guy Ty Freifogel, the possession receiver extraordinaire, making plays down the football field, back-to-back 200-yard games during the season. Um, Wap Dillior, uh, a nice slot receiver there for them. Linebacker uh, Micah McFadden, 
He's only a, a junior. He'll be back for one more year. Third team All-American uh, by the AP. Ole Miss, we aren't going to get to see Elijah Moore, the their leading receiver and first team All-SEC performer. Uh, a nice slot guy uh, at the next level. A guy who may end up working into some teams' uh, top 10 lists. And then the tight end, Kenny Yaboa. He's the second leading receiver. A guy that I was talking about as a guy to watch out for when he transferred from Temple. And you know, you, you just really didn't give him much of a chance to catch the football very often there uh, in that Owl offense. This year, 27 catches, going over 500 yards, 19.4 yards per reception, and six touchdowns. He's the guy to be be watching out for as a potential, you know, uh, early to mid day three selection. Won't get to see him there in that matchup. I think Indiana ends up pulling away and, and, and winning that ball game. Oregon taking on Iowa State. Nobody really opting out that hasn't already. You know, Panay Sewell is one of those guys that we won't be seeing there. Um, I think Iowa State. You know, it's all going to come down to whether or not Brock Purdy can take care of the football. Um, I think they need to run the football a lot more with Brees Hall than what they did against OU. I think, um, you know, Oregon, if you just, if you're one dimensional like USC was and allow Kayvon Thibodeau to just pin his ears back and, and tee off on you, then you're in trouble. But I think with Iowa State, what, you, what they can do with Brees Hall, you've got some of their receivers, Xavier Hutchinson starting to come on and Chase Kolar, or I'm sorry, Charlie Kolar. I think you're ultimately what you're going to see is Iowa State ending up beating Oregon. I like Mike Rose, their linebacker. He'll be a guy that we'll be talking about as one of the better linebackers in the country in next year's draft. Um, I think Iowa State, you know, look, just you know, a couple of games away from potentially being in that uh, the college football playoff discussion. Um, you know, that loss to, to Louisiana and obviously losing to OU there in uh, the Big 12 championship. But uh, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, uh, Charlie Kolar, a lot to like on offense. Uh, North Carolina, you know, another team looking the Orange Bowl against AM. Uh, they're largely in there because of the play of the running backs. Javante Williams and Michael Carter are number three and four. Um, on my running back list, respectively, behind Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Uh, Deami Brown, their leading receiver, he's opted out as well, as has uh, Ch- uh, Chas Surratt, uh, the team's leader in tackles and sacks. Uh, the converted quarterback who just has such a high ceiling, I think he'll be an early day two guy. Um, they're all opted out. You know, who does Sam Howell have left to really get the football to? Um, and they're going up against a Texas A&M team that, man, they got a lot of players. You know, they've got Kellen Mond, who's looking to, you know, in his last game there at AM, really show uh, scouts and show everyone at the next level that he can be a guy that can be a consistent leader uh, and a guy that, you know, look, I'm not just about, you know, the short to intermediate routes. I can push the football down the field with some accuracy. And then I've got the athleticism to, you know, to go with it. I think Isaiah Spiller is going to be one of the best backs that we're talking about next year. He and Brees Hall. Um, and then that offensive line, man. These guys are, they're they are nasty. They're the goons. And there's a reason for it. I think of those guys, obviously, Kenyon, Kenyon Green is the best of the bunch. Uh, but he'll be back for one more year. He's only a sophomore, but man. He's a guy that's just going to beat you up. He's the bully out on the back, on the out on the playground. Uh, but Carson Green, the right tackle, is a guy. He'll be a, a mid mid to late day three pick. 
not the most athletic guy by any means, but man, a technician, a guy who just seems to get better uh, throughout his career. 6'5", 315 pounds. I believe he started 36, 37 games off the top of my head. Uh, and then Ryan McCollum, the center, another guy who shows some pretty good feet for a, a center. Um, and a guy who you know, he climbs well to the second level, moves pretty well laterally. He's one of those guys who I think is getting himself into the conversations, one of the better centers in this draft as well. Um, and then defensively, you've got Bobby Brown, the third um, defensive tackle, uh, plays with, with good power. That speed to power, you definitely see that with that quickness coming off the ball and then able to drive his man into the backfield. You'll see some short area quickness as well coming off the football with an excellent arm over shooting into the backfield. Uses his hands very well to stack and shed and uh, understands, you know, does a really good job locating the football and uh, being disruptive against both the pass and the run. So those are the bowl games that uh, we have left and some of the players that you really have to be on the lookout for. And once all the bowl games have happened, we're going to go ahead and we'll be right back here and we're going to go ahead and talk about each of the games. We'll talk about some of the guys that really were standouts, some of the guys that maybe we should be talking about that we haven't already, and uh, some of the guys that may be maybe a little overhyped. And uh, we'll set up that, that national championship game I honestly believe it's probably going to end up being Alabama and Clemson all over again. Um, you know, we'll just just each and every year. It seems like these two teams, you know, we're, are going to be showcased yet again. Um, you know, it'll be interesting next year. You know, in terms of those rosters, who steps up. Um, you know, I think next year may be the year that uh, some of the programs out there might be able to to catch them uh, as they are starting to reload. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. You'll have Bryce Young um, at the helm for Alabama, DJ Ui Angalale for, for Clemson. Um, so it, it's going to be be fun, but uh, you know we still have to get through the rest of this season. So we'll we'll definitely break down things uh, after the season's over. Or I'm sorry, after the bowl season's over, we'll, we'll probably look at uh, what if the bowl games through the rest of this week. Probably have a podcast. I'd say you know, mid next week, probably January 5th or 6th. I want to go ahead and bring that to you guys. And then uh, we'll get ready for that national championship. And then once we know when guys can declare, we'll end up breaking down each and every player who has decided to, uh, to, uh, to enter the draft and uh, really start shaping up the draft board. And from there, once everybody has Opt, or has either opted uh, to play in, in 2021 or they've decided to enter the draft, then we'll be able to make a you know a better decision on exactly where things go. But uh, we know that the Jaguars have won the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So we know at number one overall, we know what's happening. They're taking Trevor Lawrence with that first overall pick. Number two is going to be the Jets. And here's the question. Do they, t- do they think that Sam Darnold is going to be their guy? Uh, or are they going to opt for, for Zach Wilson? I think Zach Wilson has established himself as the number two quarterback in this draft. I think the Jets, with Mekhi Becton, the way that he's played, I think you can go Panay Sewell, protect whoever it is a quarterback, man. You're able to do that. They could also trade down and get a bunch of picks. But I think if they stay at number two, if I'm the Jets, that that's what I have to do. I have to get Panay Sewell. Number three, Dolphins getting that pick from Houston. I think Dolphins trade, they, they trade down. 
Somebody's going to want Zach Wilson. Somebody's going to want to trade up. You, know, you trade down. Don't trade down too far. Trade down just enough to be able to land one of those receivers, whether it's uh, uh, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. Give Tua Tagovailoa that number one receiver that he's able to get the football to. Um, you know, you could even trade down to number nine to the Panthers and be able to get that done. I think the Falcons sitting at number four, they have a decision to make. You know, who's going to be the new uh, head coach? Who's going to be the new GM? I wouldn't be surprised if this is where Justin Fields ends up. You know, be, be something to keep an eye out for. The Bengals, you know, they could potentially look to trade up if Panay Sewell's on the board. They could look to trade up with the Dolphins there at number three. If they stay at number five, I think they could still get Rashawn Slater. Be that that offensive tackle, you know, if they're confident that he's going to be a tackle at the next level, um, that could be a nice pickup there for him. At number six, the Eagles. Eagles sitting there at six. Hmm. What could they go with? How about Micah Parsons? I, you know, the linebacker position, they've been needing a linebacker for quite a while. Um, I think that could be where Micah Parsons goes. You know, Parsons can not only uh, you know, be that linebacker, he can also be an edge rusher. It was a converted defensive end. I think that could be a nice pickup there. Um, you know, Lions sitting there at seven. You know, this is going to be another franchise. You know, you know exactly what are you going to do? What are you looking at with with uh, with Matthew Stafford? I think they're going to be question marks there. Um, you know, the Giants sitting at number eight. Um, you know, I think defense. You know, that's really where you're going to have to look first and foremost. Um, you've already addressed the offensive line with Andrew Thomas. You've got Saquon Barkley. Um, you've got Daniel Jones as as your quarterback. You continue to to address the offensive line. You can potentially do that. Um, that might be a little high uh, to go after Christian Derisaw, although that could potentially happen. Um, you know, you, your book ends there with Andrew Thomas. You can move Thomas over to the right side and have Derisaw play the left, um, or you can go. You know, look at defense. Um, you know, really they could use a little bit of everything. You know, whether it's a pass rusher or, or get a, a corner potentially. Um, could that be where where Patrick Sertan goes? Panthers. I think the Panthers are looking for a quarterback. I think that's going to ultimately be be where. Uh, you know, could they could they potentially trade down? You know, could they, if they can't land one of the top three quarterbacks, you know, could they trade down and still look to get Trey Lance? Do they take Trey Lance at number nine? That might be a little too rich for my blood. Um, but ultimately, you know, that's one of the things that I, I really respect about Matt Rule, at least with his first draft. He was stay, he stayed true to his draft board. And, you know, I, I think he's hit with, with Derek Brown. It'd be interesting to see how Yitor Grossmatos pans out as well. Um, so I, I, I think it'll be interesting to watch exactly what the Panthers do there. But don't be surprised if they don't trade up to number three with the Dolphins and uh, end up walking away with either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And then the Broncos sitting there at number 10. Broncos need a lot you know, as well. They need a lot of help. Um, you know, they can go in a number of directions as well. Um, so it's really going to be interesting to see exactly how this draft sh- uh, shakes up. And uh, I'll actually be taking a look more at my mock that was really just kind of going off the top of my head uh, as I was looking at the updated draft board but um, man um, you know as soon as we know exactly who's going to be in the draft and who's going to be coming back for one more year then I'll really be able to put my mock draft together so I plan by the end of January my first mock draft will be out and uh, 
I'll be able to bring that to you. So we're going to go ahead and bring this uh, pre-bowl coverage uh, to a close. Hope you've enjoyed the content. I know it's been uh, been a little while, but uh, I think really from now on, we're going to go ahead and bring uh, a weekly podcast to you. And as we get closer and closer to uh, to the draft, we'll probably start having some podcasts multiple times a week as we get closer and closer to, to draft day. But uh, I, I think we're going to go ahead and make this one, uh, you know, put this one in the books, as they say. Um, so we'll do this all again next week. But uh, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the bowl games. Until next time, I am out of here. Take care, everyone.